Hey everyone, my name is Trent Reynolds and this is Real Crime Stories for February 22nd, 2022. But before we get started, if you'd like to support the show, you can do so on Patreon at patreon.com slash trenchreynolds or trenchreynolds.com. Even a dollar a month helps keep the show and the website ad-free and independent. If you'd like to read more stories like this going back over 20 years, you can do so at realcrime.net. It's been a while since we looked in on Michigan's murder child and his dispassionate parents. Some of what we're going to discuss became public before Ethan Crumley's defense filed a notice that they would be pursuing an insanity defense. I wanted to call this episode Catching Up with the Crumleys, but that felt a little too flippant for me. Anyway, we start back in early January when James and Jennifer Crumley had a bond hearing. As you may recall, the Crumleys were being held on $500,000 bond each on four counts each of involuntary manslaughter. These charges stem from the Oakland County prosecutor's belief that the Crumleys were negligent in allegedly providing the gun Ethan Crumley used to kill four other students. Those four students were 16-year-old Tate Meyer, 14-year-old Hannah St. Juliana, 17-year-old Madison Baldwin, and 17-year-old Justin Schilling. But back to the Crumleys. They were seeking a lower bond of $100,000 each. Oakland County Prosecutor Karen McDonald laid out why she thought that request should be denied. Ms. McDonald considered the Crumleys an extreme flight risk, stating that after their arrest warrants had been announced, the Crumleys exhibited behavior that indicated they were trying to avoid arrest. For example, at the time of their arrest, the Crumleys had close to $7,000 cash on them, along with multiple credit cards and gift cards, and four different cell phones. Just hours after the shooting, the Crumleys were said to have tried selling off the horses they owned rather quickly. That same day, they emptied Ethan Crumley's bank account of $3,000. The day before the Crumleys were supposed to turn themselves in, $2,000 was withdrawn from their bank account. The next day, they withdrew another $4,000. If you'll recall, the Crumleys were hiding out in a friend's studio in an industrial section of Detroit. James Crumley is said to have parked his car in a way where his license plate was obstructed. The Crumleys allegedly asked their friend to do some shopping for them, which was said to have included vodka, orange juice, and bedding. I guess there's nothing like lying around and having a few pictures of screwdrivers while there's an active warrant out for your arrest. Even after police had entered the building where the Crumleys were hiding, the Crumleys hid behind a locked door, crouched behind a mattress that was on the floor. You know, because police never look under any mattresses when searching for a wanted suspect. The Crumley's defense argued the Crumley's had received threats and were merely, merely concerned for their own safety. The judge didn't buy it and their request for lower bond was denied. If I get this episode out on the 22nd, Ethan Crumley is scheduled to appear in court today to see if he should remain in jail or be transferred to a juvenile facility. It may have already happened, but the media may have not caught up yet. In preparation for this hearing, the Oakland County Prosecutor filed some findings with the court late last month. According to these filings, Ethan Crumley had always intended to surrender to police so he could live and admire his handiwork. He allegedly wanted to witness the suffering he caused. Crumley is said to have wanted to commit the shooting so people could think about him until time ends. Police found videos of Crumley from the day before the shooting, where Crumley talked about killing other students the next day. And of course, there was the prerequisite journal where Crumley again talked about his desire to kill. One of the many problems with infamy seekers like this is they think they will be remembered. 
Thanks to America's laughable gun legislation, you knew I had to slip that in somewhere, people like Crumley are just another name on an ever-expanding list. This past Valentine's Day was the 14th anniversary of the shooting at Northern Illinois University. We're also coming up on the 10th anniversary of the shooting at Chardon High School in Ohio. In my opinion, not only could most Americans not tell you what happened at these schools, but they most assuredly couldn't name the shooters. The only school shootings that remain in the American conscious are Columbine, since it was the one that set off this modern chain reaction of school shootings, and Parkland due to the political fallout that stemmed from it. Every other school shooting is just one in a series of hundreds. Even I have to look up some of these cowards' names after writing about them for the past 22 years. Once Ethan Crumley is sentenced to prison, he will be all but forgotten outside of the Oxford area. Lastly, I want to talk about one of the text messages Jennifer Crumley sent after her stepson had already killed four other students. She actually sent a number of questionable text messages, but I wish to focus on the one she sent to her boss. As news of the shooting broke, Jennifer Crumley texted her boss the following, I need my job. Please don't judge me for what my son did. Can she actually be for real? How cold-blooded is she to think she could go back to selling houses in the Oxford area after her stepson killed four people? If she hadn't been arrested, I don't doubt she would have been out there in her realtor's blazer trying to close a deal if she had had her way. I think it's clear that neither parent cared about Ethan Crumley. And when you have a household where guns are treated like party favors, no one should be surprised this is how it turned out. The three of them combined created the perfect recipe for disaster. That's it for this episode. All social media and Patreon links can be found in the show notes. You can also listen to and subscribe to this podcast at realcrimestories.net. Until next time, don't let anyone else tell your story, because you are here for a reason. I've been Trench Reynolds, and this has been Real Crime Stories. Stories.